morning. It's December, the best month of the year. How many of you are excited for so many amazing things that happen during the month of December? And today's the first Sunday of Advent. On Friday, we had our Christmas dinner. Let me just say, if you weren't there and you missed it, well, you missed it. The kids did an awesome job and uh, great food as well. And so thanks to everyone that helped with that. So if you missed it this year, well, 2019, it's just around the corner. Okay, so, but um, it's December, it's an awesome time, um, lots of things going on, lots of exciting things happening, and Jesus is just wonderful, so that makes everything awesome, right? All right, let's just say a word of prayer before we go on. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for this time in your presence, and as we begin this season of Advent, Lord, as we remember how you came And how you're going to be coming again as well, Lord, we just thank you for that. And as we look at this first theme of Advent this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, encourage us, help us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're starting Advent. This is the first uh, message in the series of four messages on Advent. And we look at love, peace, hope, joy these various topics that speak about Christ and his coming. Now, Advent, as Pastor Kevin mentioned at the beginning of the service, means coming, and we celebrate the fact that Jesus came into this world for us, and his coming is known as the Incarnation, which we'll look at a little bit later. Okay, and so today we're looking at this theme of love, and from this theme of love, um, we're going to look at this one verse in particular in John chapter 1 and verse 14, John 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so this is the demonstration of God's love for us in that the word became flesh and had his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Now, we saw the video just before uh, Uh, I came up here about the five love languages. How many here, are you familiar with the five love languages? Can I just see your hand if you are? A few people. Okay, well, the five love languages is, is, it was championed by a guy named Gary Chapman, and he's done this for for decades, and he's spoken about different love languages that we can communicate one with another, whether that's with our spouse or children or loved ones, friends, family, etc. We can be able to uh, communicate that with other people. Now, there's five different love languages. Uh, Words of affirmation is one. Physical touch is another. Quality time is another. Acts of service is another. And receiving of gifts. Um, when I was uh, in the summertime, I was in another country and we were doing, partnering with another church and we were doing a, a little seminar for some couples in the church. And so we, I had different people speak. And at the end, I just came to summarize some stuff. And I, I started talking a little bit about these love languages. And I talked about two in particular. One was gift giving and the other was quality time. And I gave this example of the fact that if, for example, with a husband and wife, if the husband is working long hours, okay, and he feels bad for his wife, so what he does is he brings home some chocolates and roses. Women, how many here you like to receive some chocolates and roses? Right? So the husband comes with chocolates and roses, and the wife, she's probably happy that he's, she's getting some chocolates and roses, but that's really not her love language. He's speaking the love language of gift-giving, but she's not speaking that love language of gift-giving. Her love language is, say, for example, quality time. 
And so instead of coming home with a box of chocolates and some roses, what she really wants is for him to come home at a decent time so that she can spend some time with him. And that speaks so much more about this, uh, uh, or a demonstration of this love language. And as I was explaining this, there was this one couple at the end, they were newly married, and they were looking at each other like light bulbs were going off, and they were like, yeah, that's, and then after, this, after the, the seminar, they came up to me afterwards, and they said, thank you so much for sharing that, that's exactly what we're going through right now, and they were like, they were going to go online and do the love language survey and find out what exactly is their love language, because it was just light bulbs going off, and they realized that they were communicating on two different languages. Like, for example, if I were to switch right now and not preach to you in English, and I preached to you in Spanish instead, most of you would probably be lost, right? Some not, but most will, okay? And because it would be two different languages. And that's what happens sometimes when we communicate in love to other people, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your immediate family, whether that's your children. In so many different ways, we can miscommunicate with other people because we're not speaking the same love language. Now, the beautiful thing is that through Jesus, we're celebrating Advent, we're celebrating that Jesus came, and the beautiful thing is what I want to see this morning is how Jesus communicated in all five of these love languages, how Jesus showed his great love for us through all these different ways and means, and I hope by seeing some of these things, we can be able to we can be able to show, these, uh, show love to others through these different love languages. Now, you see here on the screen, you see the phrase here, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The incarnation is just at the end. But through these, through these five things here, the word is words of affirmation. Became flesh, physical touch. And had his dwelling among us, quality time. And we beheld his glory is acts of service. And the whole thing of Jesus coming is the incarnation, which is the greatest gift, and that's receiving gifts. So all these five different love languages we can see in Jesus, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the love of God. Maybe you never experienced what it is to know the love of Jesus. I just want to encourage you today because Jesus is here this morning, and he wants to touch you with his love. He wants to fill you with his love. He wants to affirm you in love. He wants to strengthen you in his love. And so just come to Jesus today, and you can have a little bit of a taste of the love of God today. So the first thing is the word, okay? And this speaks of words of affirmation. Uh, During the summer, we were studying through the book of Proverbs, we were studying about our words and how our words have power to build up and our words also have power to tear down. And we can express love to others through words of of affirmation. Uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 29 says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Whatever we say, should be good and helpful so that we can be an encouragement to others. And so words of affirmation are really important. Christ is known as the word of God. 
There are so many scriptures in the Bible that we can quote and that we can memorize and that we can read and that we can use with other people to affirm them and affirm ourselves as well of what Christ has done for us, what he's doing, the victory we have in him, his forgiveness for our sins, his help in time of need, the hope that he gives to us. There's so many promises in the word of God that we could use that would help us. But I just want to look at one story in the Bible, and that was the story of Peter. Now, Peter, we know, is an interesting character. And Peter, he failed miserably. He told Jesus, Jesus, I don't care what happens. I am not going to deny you. I am willing to die for you. I'm willing to go to the cross. No matter what happens, I'm not going to deny you. And what ended up happening? He denied Jesus. He failed miserably. However, when Peter denied the Lord, he wept about it. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he intentionally went to Peter to meet Peter. He could have told Peter, hey, Peter, you know, you really messed up. I think John's going to do a better job at leading these, these group of disciples. So why don't you just take a back seat here? He could have told something like that to Peter. He could have said, I gave you a chance, Peter. You messed up. That's the end of it. But no, the living word of God, the word who became flesh, that living word of God came to Peter in his discouragement, in his time of need, when he was so low, when he was feeling like, I've denied the Lord, what can happen now? Jesus met him to do what? To affirm him. In John chapter 21 and verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And what did Jesus say? Then feed my lambs. See the affirmation. See the trust that Jesus had in Peter even after Peter denied the Lord. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that as well. I was like, Lord... I have to stand up here and preach to all these people, but I'm such a failure. But I thank God for the love of God because he affirms us, he strengthens us, he forgives us because of his love, right? Instead of, instead of responding in a negative way to Peter, Jesus was so affirming of Peter. And he says, Peter, I know that you denied me, but I am trusting you with my lambs. I am trusting you with my people. Feed them, lead them, Guide them, instruct them, teach them, inspire them. Peter, do all of that and more. He, in, he affirmed Peter, even though Peter denied him. And it's such a beautiful thing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Encourage one another. In this Christmas season, won't it be awesome and amazing if we can just go to somebody and encourage them, to inspire them, to build them up? To, say a, uh, to, to use one of the promises of the Lord to help them? How can you affirm somebody today? Maybe you can send somebody a, a text message with an encouraging word. Maybe give them a call, right? Maybe somebody that's played a, a, a role in your life in the past and you haven't spoken to that person for some time and you just want to say, I'm going to give that person a call and just encourage that person. I'm just going to give them an encouraging word, an affirming word. This is the season to be able to share the love of Christ. Uh, there's a man named uh, Arthur Gordon, and he was cleaning out, he was cleaning out his, um, uh, his family home. And as he was doing that, he found a trunk full of all of these, uh, full of letters, old family letters. And uh, they chronicled the events of generations past. And in these letters, he saw so much 
affection and affirmation. And he was wondering, what happened to that in my generation? And so in these letters, he said, one, one letter said, Have I told you lately what a wonderful person you are? Never forget how much your friends and family love and admire you. Another letter said, You don't know how much your visit meant to us. When you left, I felt as if the sun had stopped shining. And so he was, he was reading some of these letters, and he was trying to figure out what in the world has happened. And he said, I don't know what generation of my family put a check on the release of such emotions, but I do know that it seriously interferes with one of the deepest of all human needs, the desire for acceptance and approval. Why then, wanting to hear those words so much ourselves, do we deny them so often to others? What he's saying there is that we all feel the need for affirmation. We all feel the need for acceptance. We all want our parents to say something to us, to say, good job, well done, I love you. We all want the person that's close to us to give us an affirming word. We all want the people that are around us to be supportive of us. And if we are looking for that and wanting that and desiring that and love when it actually happens to us, why are we so reluctant to give it to others? Why do we hold back when we can express love to others through words of affirmation. So in this Christmas season, I just want to encourage you, just as how Jesus, the living word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, how Jesus is the word of God and he's given us so many words and promises and scriptures, I want to encourage you, use those words in this Christmas season and encourage somebody. The second thing is that the word became flesh. The word became flesh and that's physical touch, okay? This is, it's, it's quite amazing Um, that the God of all the universe would choose to humble himself and take upon him the form of a human. And that's because he wanted to express his love towards us, and in one aspect was through physical touch. Now, there's so many stories in the Bible that we can talk about where Jesus touched somebody and healed them, and we can imagine how those people felt loved, cared for, uh, blessed. But there's one story, I think, that really stands out to me when it comes to physical touch. And it's the story of a man with leprosy who came to Jesus and asked Jesus, if you will, Lord, you can heal me. Now, Jesus, in in, in other situations, there was a time when somebody needed healing. Jesus just spoke the word and the person far away was healed. There was other times when there was people around him and Jesus just spoke a word and they were healed. But in this one particular situation, this man with leprosy came to him and Jesus could have just spoken a word and said, you are healed. And that person would have been healed. But Jesus took the extra step to do what? Touch the man. Now for us, you might think, ah, it's just touching, not a big deal. But realize in the culture of that day, a person that had leprosy was a person that was an outcast. A person that had leprosy was not a person you wanted to touch, was not a, because you were afraid that you could get leprosy. And even in the Old Testament, people that had leprosy, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that people would stay away. So for Jesus to actually go and touch that person, this was not something normal. This was something radical. This was something extraordinary. This was something totally out of the box because Jesus could have said, son, you are healed, but he didn't say that. He touched the man and said, you are healed. That was a touch of love. 
That was a touch of love. Imagine the kind of rejection that man would have faced. Imagine the kind of pain that man would have gone through. And then imagine what kind of love he would have felt when the living word of God stretched forth his hand and touched him. And he felt that touch of healing. That was a touch of love. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, is where we see this, these verses when it says, Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Jesus knew the power of touch. You know, in Jesus' day, there were children that were around him. And uh, maybe they didn't understand Jesus' teaching. They didn't understand the purpose of his life and what he was actually trying to do. But one thing that children know is that children know love. And children know the touch of love as well. And in Mark chapter 10, in verse 16, it says, Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. It was a touch of love. Sadly, of course, we know that Jesus is not with us physically here today. So we can't experience that same thing. Although when Jesus returns, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to my hug, right? I'm looking forward to that. But today, do you know that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus? Today, we can express the love that we have felt from Christ to others by being his hands and feet. Maybe today, you want to give a hug to a hurting person. There's a lot of people that are grieving. There are a lot of people going through trials and difficulties and problems and pain today. And maybe today we could be that hands and feet that express the love of Christ to others through physical touch. The, second, the third thing that we'll look at here is, and made his dwelling among us. And made his dwelling among us. This making his dwelling among us speaks about quality time. How Jesus spent quality time with people. Now again, this never ceases to amaze me that the king of all the universe, the God of all creation, would come down and would desire to spend time with me. Like, I don't know, that just blows my mind away. Like, why would anybody like that want to spend time with me? Why would anybody want to spend time with us? Can you believe that? It's, uh, the problem is, I think, is that we live such busy lives that maybe we pass him by. We live such busy lives that when he wants to come and spend time with us, we say, hold on, Jesus, let me just finish this thing first. And then I'll come and spend some time with you. Hold on, Jesus, I just need to get this done, Jesus. But he's desiring to spend quality time with us because as he spends time with us, it's a reflection of his love for us. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, a very familiar verse, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He wanted people to come to him. He wanted to give rest and peace and comfort. Now, what if I told you if the prime minister of Canada or some famous athlete or someone you admired or looked up to came to you and said, I want to come to your house and visit you. How would you feel? I think you would feel some type of love. You would feel some type of, wow, they want to come to my house? Well, there's a guy in the Bible that had happened to. His name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And the problem was that Zacchaeus was a little bit short. So what happened is Zacchaeus, he went up and he climbed up a tree. 
because he wanted to see Jesus. Now, Jesus was a celebrity. Like, he was a notary at that time. So Zacchaeus climbed up a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And what did Jesus tell him? In Luke chapter 19 and verse 5 and 6, it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. And he said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and, and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Zacchaeus couldn't believe that this man, Jesus, wanted to spend time with him, let alone come to his own home. And this was an expression of love by Jesus to Zacchaeus, right? And what did Zacchaeus do in response? This man, Jesus Christ, came to Zacchaeus' home, spent time with Zacchaeus, showed Zacchaeus the love of God, and Zacchaeus, in response, you know, he was a tax collector, he had cheated a lot, And so Zacchaeus in response says, look, half of my goods I'm giving to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody from their taxes, I'm going to pay back four times the amount. And what was Jesus' response? Luke chapter 19 and verse 9 and 10 says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is the purpose that Jesus came to this world. This is the reason for Advent, because the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is what Jesus does. He spends quality time with those in need. There's a parable that Jesus told about one sheep that had gone astray. And what did he say? What does the shepherd do? He goes and he looks for that one sheep. You know, people complained a lot about Jesus because he spent time with the disenfranchised people. He spent time with the outcasts. He spent time with the rejected, with the needy. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, right? In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10 and 11, here the Gospel of Matthew says, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, this is the New Living Translation, okay, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? See, Jesus wanted to spend quality time with people to seek and save those that are lost. Jesus wasn't born into some big mansion like kings and, and destined for greatness, but he was born into a lowly stable, and he mixed with dis- disreputable sinners in order to show them love. The question is, what about us? Do we spend time just with people who we know that are good and kind to us? What about the disreputable people? What about people in society that maybe pe- others look down upon? What about people in society that maybe even religious people look down upon? Are we going to be the hands and feet of Jesus that spend quality time to show the love of God to all those that are in need? Can we spend time with them just as Jesus did? Or do we just spend time with people that we're comfortable with? Quality time, it's such an important love language. How about today maybe joining a life group? It takes time. 
spending quality time with people, traveling with other people along life's journey, this Christian pathway, and spending time with others, encouraging, building up one another. Maybe if you're not in a life group today, how about joining a life group? How about in this Christmas season, investing into other people? And um, there's so many different ways. I'm so blessed because I get to hear some stories every now and then from different ones. And I'm so blessed with different people here in this congregation that are seated here today. And I hear stories about how they have taken this person out for a coffee just to spend some time or take this person out for a meal to, to invest into them, to mentor them, to disciple them. It's just such a, such a, a, like these stories are such an encouragement to see, but it all takes time. It doesn't happen just overnight. That's why it's called quality, what? Time. It takes time to express this love. It takes time to express the love of Christ to others, right? This Friday, we're actually having a joint youth and young adults event. And Friday night, all the youth and young adults, get ready. This Friday night, and uh, we have a special guest. His name is Hoka. He is actually one of the ministry directors with Inkalink, which was the nonprofit organization that we partnered with in the summer when we traveled down to Peru. And um, he leads a ministry, a sports ministry, there in Peru. And uh, he's in the Toronto area, and so um, he's coming to speak with us, with our group, this Friday. But the thing that really impressed me about him was when I went, when we went down there this summer. And he showed me like his ministry plan. He had a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and a 15-year plan. And by, uh, when we had gone there, I think he was between his five and 10-year plan. And he had strategically picked a few different young men that he was mentoring and discipling. And by the time that we got down there, those people had already chosen some other people to mentor and disciple. And it took time. This was like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and a 15-year plan. It took quality time that he was spending, and he shared with us how he spent time with these people to invest into them. It wasn't something that happened in the matter of weeks or months. This was years so that he could build them up and grow them and that they could be responsible of their own ministry areas as well. And it was quality time, and he expressed love to these guys through spending time with them and building them up. How about us today? Maybe we can spend some time mentoring somebody. Maybe we can spend some time encouraging somebody. If you need help, let me know. Send me an email. Talk to me after the service. Right? There's so many awesome opportunities that we can use our time to invest into other people. All right, number four is, so the word, words of affirmation, became flesh, physical touch, and had his dwelling among us, quality time, and we beheld his glory. We saw his glory. We have seen his glory, and that speaks to us about acts of service. The disciples saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus. When they saw Jesus doing miracles and healings, when they saw Jesus having compassion on the people, when they saw Jesus multiplying food because he had a burden for these people, when they saw the heart of Jesus groaning and he said, these are like sheep that don't have a shepherd, and they saw his burden. When they saw the character of Jesus, they saw his glory, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And there's so many acts of service that we can recount about the life of Jesus, just as I've mentioned, but one thing, to me at least, sticks out above the others. And that was the day that Jesus was celebrating the Passover. We're going to have Holy Communion at the end of the service today. But the day that Jesus was celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples, and he was talking about how he was going to be betrayed and die and, 
and, um, and die for the sins of the people. But before he did that, the Bible says that he, uh, or during that feast actually, the Bible says that he knelt down with a bucket of water and a towel and he washed the disciples' feet as an act of service to reflect the glory of God. John chapter 13 and verse 1 says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Can you see here the love here? He loved them to the very end. He loved his disciples. This is the first, John 13 verse 1. The very next verses talk about how Jesus took that bucket of water and that towel and he went and he washed the disciples' feet as a demonstration of his love, as an act of service. And he said, look, you've seen me as your master and Lord do this to you. Now do this to others. It was a reflection of the glory of God, the character of God, this amazing character of humility was being reflected by Jesus. The king of all the universe would come down and wash the feet of lowly humans. The glory of God reflected in so many different ways and acts that Jesus did. I was so blessed to hear that uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at the Toronto Alliance uh, Church Ministry, uh, I, I heard that there was quite a number of new people that had gone down to help. And it was, that was so encouraging. And uh, we still need a number of, of helpers as well for our Hampers of Hope uh, program. You can sign up with Nancy after the service uh, today. There's so many ways in which we can demonstrate the love of God in this Christmas season through acts of service. Maybe it's picking up some things, delivering some things, coming to sort um, food and, and things like that. There's so many different ways where we can just take out a little bit of our, of our time to act and reflect the love of God. Maybe there's something that you can do in this Christmas season uh, to help out maybe at a shelter or to help out at a soup kitchen or with a nonprofit organization. Maybe there's something that you could do that would be able to um, encourage others in this Christmas season. An act of service that can dis- display and reflect the love of God. There's so many other things that you can do in the church as well. If, you, if you're twiddling your thumbs and you need some, some work to do, just let me know, you know. I can, you know, there, there's so many different areas of service. We need, some, we need some help with our welcome desk. We need some help with our, with our greeters. We need some life group leaders. We need uh, people to help us out with Alpha. There's so many different things that, are, that uh, you could do as an act of service, as a reflection of the love of God. The, the same way that God has filled our heart with his love, let us demonstrate that love through acts of service. The greatest ability, I said it before, is availability, right? So be available to what God has for you to do. Um, I want to show you um, this picture here. This was actually in the, I don't know if how many saw this in the Toronto Star this week. This was in the Toronto Star this week. This is an organization called Move In. And this uh, organization called Move In actually strategically has people that move into low-income, high-density communities in order to reflect the love of Christ and display the character of Christ uh, with others. So there was a new family. Um, this guy here, his name is, uh, the guy on the left here, his name is Andy uh, Clutton, I believe. I'm, 
it's pronounced. Um, so there was a new family from Afghanistan in, in 2012. They had recently moved into that building that Andy was in, and Andy was part of a group of other families that had moved into that building complex as part of this organization called Move In to be able to live in community with people around you in low-income, um, high-density populations in order to be Jesus to these people, to show the love of Christ. And so in, in, in August of 2012, he had met this, uh, this family uh, from Afghanistan that had moved there. And on that particular day that they moved in, the building was without water and electricity. So Andy and a few others went through the 16-story building distributing water to these different people. And he met Akbar, um, Mom, Mom Ad, Akbar Mamad, and that's him on the right side in this photo. And his, uh, his, uh, Akbar's health had been deteriorating little by little. He's lost uh, some of his function in his kidneys, and he needed a kidney transplant. And this was after some time, and they had built this relationship um, together, um, Andy and, and Akbar. And so what had happened was Akbar came to him and said, hey, can you just help me to get this word out to some other Canadians because I need a kidney transplant and there's nothing available right now. So they started to spread the word. But in the meantime, Andy got tested as well with one of his friends and found that he was a viable donor. And so on November 7th, 2018, just a few weeks ago, they had a transplant and Andy gave one of his kidneys to Akbar. And uh, this article was in the Toronto Star. You can read up about it. It was this Wednesday. Um, it came in the Toronto Star. I just want to read you a few lines from this, from this article from the Toronto Star because it was really impacting when I read this. He said, um, Andy said, We've always explained ourselves in this neighborhood as trying to imitate the life of Jesus in service to others. For Andy, his decision to donate, um, to donate stems from a spiritual conviction to live life like Jesus. Andy said he felt like God was opening these doors into developing this friendship right from the get-go. Not just did we visit for tea every day or every third day, but we, as a group of Christians, were constantly praying for Dr. Akbar and his family. Like, that takes time. That's quality time right there. I know there's some people here that you do that. You meet with people for tea and mentor and spend time and quality time. That's just inspiring to me as well. But they met. And they built this relationship. They just wanted to be Jesus to these people. Um, Some who hear their story are intrigued by how two neighbors ever got to this point, while others struggle to imagine themselves in that position. Others have questioned why a 29-year-old man with three young children would take eight weeks off work to undergo risky surgery that could have complications and could fail. Andy hopes that this story will inspire others to take their faith seriously. Now, this is the part that really blew me away. This is what he said. He said, for me, my faith was more important than my physical wellness. So following the example of Jesus and loving my neighbor as myself. We often say it, but when it comes down to it, we still prioritize ourselves and our families above our neighbors. I thought that was quite inspiring. I thought this was... A, an amazing act of service. Like, I mean, there's so many love languages involved in this one story. So it's like, you have quality time, you have acts of service, you have gift giving because, you know, he's giving his kidney here. Like, there's just so many things. And I think this is what Jesus is. This is who Jesus is to us. 
This is what Jesus came to reflect when he came to this world. And I read this story and I think, wow, I'm just falling so far short here. Like, where am I on displaying the love of Christ? Now, I'm not telling everybody to go out there and give your kidneys to people. But what I am saying is that let's ask ourselves and let's let the Lord challenge us as well. What are we doing with our time, with our energy, with our effort, with the resources that has been given to us to be Jesus to people around us? And at this Christmas season, isn't that the, one of the best times where we can be Jesus to others? Now, there's opportunities within our church, again, like Hampers of Hope and, and Master's Pantry and so many other things, but there's other opportunities outside of the church as well, too. And, and what about our friends and our relatives and our neighbors? What about inviting somebody to our Christmas Eve service on the 24th and just bring them out to, to hear a message of Christ? What about the people that we interact with, our coworkers, people at our schools? How can we be Jesus to these people? How can we reflect the love of Christ to others? Jesus reflected that love to us and filled us with his love. Now what are we going to do with that? All right, the last one is the incarnation, right? The incarnation, now the incarnation is a theological term used to describe how God became man. How God took upon him the form of a human being in order to die for us and redeem us. So the incarnation is a reflection of gift giving. It's the greatest gift ever, right? Somebody called the office uh, last week, and he was of another religious faith, and he had some questions, and we were talking. We talked for some time, and he told me he was like, he's like, you know, that's really disrespectful. Like, how can you think that God would come down in human form How can you think that God would go through all of these frailties that we have, like to be hungry and growing up as a child and using the bathroom and and all these things, you know, he was was trying, like that, he was saying that was really disrespectful. Like, how can you imagine God to do that? And my response to him was, I think that's what makes the story amazing. I think that's what tells the love of God, that God would choose to leave his throne in heaven and come down to earth to take upon the form of a man, the incarnation, as the greatest gift ever given, period. I think about it the way that I think about it, and I, I don't know if I've used this illustration before, I might have, please forgive me, but I think about an anthill. And you got all of these ants in this anthill. And it's getting ready to be bulldozed. And so you stand above the anthill and you say, ants, get out of there! It's going to be bulldozed. Are the ants listening to you? No. So the only way to get the message to these ants is you got to become an ant, go through the anthill, and yell and scream at everybody in the ant, get out of here, get out of here, this place is going to be bulldozed. Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. Like a human being becoming an ant? But the God of all creation becoming a human being? That's even worse. And yeah, I understand what this guy was telling me. How could, that's so disrespectful, but no. That's the amazing story of the gospel. That's the amazing story of the incarnation. Is that Jesus would choose to leave his glory in heaven, the God of all creation, the God of all the universe, to come down to this earth, to take upon himself the form of a man, and to die for us. That's the greatest story Ever. That's the best gift ever. In John chapter 3, a very familiar verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For this is how 
God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The demonstration of his love was through gift giving. The demonstration of his love was that Christ gave himself for us. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, no, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus did. What gifts can we give maybe to show the love of God to others? You know, we have a Christmas tree out there. How many of you all seen the Christmas tree? Those decorations, this is the only Christmas tree that you're allowed to pluck the decorations from. You take one of those things and on there is a little description of something you can buy, something you can give. You take that, talk to Nancy, she'll write it down and then she'll know exactly what you're bringing for hampers of hope, right? What can we give? Maybe it's not something monetarily or or something that we own, but maybe it's with our time, our substance, our talents, our abilities in order to help others. What can we do? As we have seen the greatest gift, as we have experienced the greatest gift, what can we do? And maybe you're here today and you're wondering, ah, great gift, what is that? I don't know this great gift. I don't know this love of Jesus. I want to encourage you today to give Jesus a try. After the, at the end of the service, we'll have people here in the front that would love to pray with you, that would love to help you, so that you can come to know this Jesus, the greatest gift of all. In John 13, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Your love for one another will do what? Will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We'll prove to the world that you are my disciples. Worship team, you can come up. We'll get ready to sing. We've seen these different, these different love languages, uh, the incarnation receiving gifts, the word, words of affirmation, became flesh, physical touch, and had his dwelling among us, quality time. And we saw his glory, acts of service. And that whole thing is encompassed in the incarnation, the greatest gift ever given in Jesus Christ. First John 4 and verse 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The very definition of God is that he is love. As we prepare to partake of the Lord's table, uh, we're just going to sing this song uh, that reminds us of the body of the Lord, that reminds us of how he was broken for us, and um, And also reminds us about how God's love changes everything as well.